little while back we were studying in 2 Timothy, and in chapter 2, it has this phrase, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And Eric Strickland said, somebody should preach a lesson on that sometime. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so I started with that in mind, and what I found was that there's not a lot of definition about what being strong in grace really means. Does it it mean to have a lot of it? Uh, Does it mean to, uh, um, you know, how, how is it that grace makes you strong? But I think I found the answer, uh, and I think it's here in Titus uh, chapter 2. And it's really when we learn what grace teaches us that we will be strong uh, in grace. When we learn from grace, uh, that is what will give us strength. And so uh, today, uh, if you would like to open your Bibles and just have them there at Titus chapter 2, we really just kind of want to settle on these few verses uh, for the, for our discussion today and uh, think about them in some more detail. We'll reference a few other verses as we go. Uh, But our lesson really primarily is going to be about what grace teaches here in uh, Titus chapter 2. So first, uh, just the idea of grace defined. Uh, What is the grace that's being talked about here? Uh, Grace is often broadly defined as unmerited favor. It means uh, something, uh, receiving good things when you didn't deserve them. Uh, And in Titus chapter 2, the grace that is being discussed is uh, the grace of God that brings salvation. So the grace of God that brings salvation. Really, it's God saving us. God's show of goodness toward us is uh, the grace that's being talked about here. And really, that is the greatest show of undeserved goodness ever uh, for God to, to look at us who deserves his wrath, uh, who deserves condemnation, and to extend to us instead uh, salvation and a relationship with him is an incredible show of grace. And we'll talk about uh, that a bit more uh, through this lesson. Uh, But that is the grace that we're talking about today, unmerited favor, something good that we didn't deserve. Romans 5, 7 through 9 uh, says it this way, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So the idea that if if we were good, you might see something uh, that maybe God would uh, feel extra motivated to seek a relationship with us. But God sought a relationship with us while we were sinners, uh, God demonstrated his love and that while we were sinners, um, Christ died for us. This is the grace uh, that we're being talked, uh, they were talking about. When we deserved God's wrath because we were sinners, God showed grace to us, gave us something amazingly good that we did not deserve. And uh, the grace of God that brings salvation took the place of God's wrath. And so... Um, what does grace teach? Uh, I've highlighted just a couple of words here. Uh, the text in Titus tells us this grace, this, uh, this idea of God's goodness toward us and saving us, teaches us something. What is it that God intends for grace to teach us and how? You might think that uh, grace would teach us 
since God was willing to go to such uh, great lengths to forgive us, that we can actually get away with a lot. Uh, you know, God will forgive great sin, uh, you know, really egregious sins. God will still forgive. You might think that it wouldn't matter so much if you didn't follow God because he's shown himself to be so gracious. Um, after all, God forgives, right? Even uh, even extreme sins, uh, the most serious sins. You might think that grace would teach you to go on sinning. It doesn't matter how you live. Um, you might think grace teaches you it doesn't matter what we do, that God will be gracious. He'll give us what we didn't deserve. He'll give us good things that we didn't deserve, so it doesn't really matter uh, what we do. But this is exactly the opposite of what grace actually teaches us. Um, what grace actually teaches us is that we need to live, live, uh, sorry, I got too, too much technology here. <laughs> Grace actually teaches us that we need to live radically changed lives. Uh, so before each Christian received God's grace, we lived by our own desires, uh, doing things that were ungodly. That's what it says, right? Ungodliness and worldly lusts. Um, but after we receive God's grace, it says that we should say no to worldliness. That we should say no to ungodliness. God's grace teaches us we should say no to sin. We should change our lives, uh, turn, uh, so that we would be, instead of ungodly and worldly, that we would be self-controlled, righteous, and godly. So God's grace doesn't teach us that you can get away with a lot. Uh, it teaches us the opposite. We should live differently, uh, doing good with zeal, and waiting with uh, joy and expectation for Jesus to return. If we learn from grace, if we learn what grace teaches, it's going to make a difference in our lives. It's going to change us. Uh, so let's get more specific about what grace teaches. And I think it'll help us see why learning from grace can have such a powerful impact in our lives. First, grace teaches us that sin has a tremendously high cost. Titus 2 verse 14 says that Jesus gave himself for us, to redeem us. We just finished remembering that in the Lord's Supper, that Jesus gave himself for us, to redeem us. And when we think of the cross, we see what sin cost. Uh, we see Jesus' death on the cross uh, illustrating graphically that sin creates death and destruction in the world. Uh, the consequences of sin are serious. It's not something to trifle with. When we see Jesus on the cross, we can never again say that sin is no big deal. We can never again think that sin doesn't really hurt anyone, that it doesn't really cost anything. Grace teaches us that sin has a high cost. And when we learn to see sin for what it really is and what it really does, it helps take away the appeal of sin. Helps us to say no to it when we see what it is that sin creates in this world. This will help us say no to unrighteousness, to ungodliness and worldly desires, to turn away from lawless deeds. Grace teaches us sin has a tremendously high cost. Grace also teaches us that a relationship with God is worth extreme sacrifice. 
Titus 2.14 says that Jesus gave himself for us to purify for himself his own special people. He gave himself for us to purify for himself his own special people. So this relates to the previous point, the high price that God was willing to pay for our salvation. But it shows us how much God cares about us. It shows us the fact that he is seeking a special relationship with us. He sees a relationship with us as very valuable, worth sacrificing for. If God knows that a relationship with him is that valuable, that precious, uh, worth that kind of a sacrifice, if he knows that us having a relationship with him is worth that much, we should learn that a relationship with God is worth us making sacrifices too. Grace teaches us that sacrificing our own will, giving up our own desires, is worth it. Living for God instead of for ourselves is worth it. God's grace teaches us that a relationship with God is worth extreme sacrifice. God showed it himself already. Uh, We need to learn from that. So whatever uh, might be keeping you away from God, it isn't even remotely worth hanging on to in comparison to what God is offering. If Jesus gave up heaven uh, to suffer here for us, can't we uh, give up some things here for him? Can't we give up some temporary pleasures um, of this world uh, to serve God and have a relationship with him? Grace teaches us that it's worth it. A relationship with God is worth it. Grace also teaches us that God is serious about us living holy and productive lives. So in Titus 1.12, God's purpose for us is to live uh, soberly or self-controlled, right? To be sober is to be in control, um, making good conscious decisions. And so the idea here is for us to be self-controlled, making good conscious decisions, wise decisions, uh, to be righteous and to be godly. And in verse 14, he wants us to be his people zealous for good works. Uh, God is serious about us living holy and productive lives. It's the point of him redeeming us, it says. He wants us to be his people zealous for good works. So we've already talked about what God paid, the price that was paid to make us holy. Uh, If someone gave you something extremely valuable, extremely precious, I don't know, say a new car, um, you would want to take care of it, right? I mean, you wouldn't like leave it in neutral by the side of a cliff. Um, you would take care of it and make sure that you protected that valuable thing. And God's given us something way more valuable, a brand new life, holiness. Um, he redeems us from every lawless deed and purifies us. God wants us to be holy. And grace teaches us that God wants that for us. He wants us to be holy. And so God does the initial part of making us holy, of redeeming us from our sins. But we have a responsibility, once we've received grace, to preserve and maintain our holiness. We have this good thing that God has given us. Uh, Let's not mess up the good work that God has done in us of making us holy. Let's do our best to preserve that. Uh, God is serious about us living holy and productive lives. So we need to be serious about living holy 
and productive lives. Next, grace teaches us to be grateful. I think gratitude is one of the most uh, potent things that grace teaches us. We, uh, we learn to appreciate the goodness of what God has done. We begin to see our hope, as Titus says, as a blessed hope. We see how good it is, how good the hope is that God has given us. We begin to see the appearance of Jesus to us as glorious. Like this is an amazing thing that's going to happen in our future. That Jesus is going to appear. He's going to come back for us. And that it's going to be not terrifying, but glorious. We realize that Jesus gave himself for us. In verse uh, 14, he wants us to be his special people. If we truly realize how good God has been to us individually, uh, I think we can't help but be grateful if we actually realize what God has done for us. In Luke 7, the story is told of a woman who saw herself as a sinner in need of forgiveness. Uh, she saw herself as someone who had been forgiven of a great debt, and because of her, her gratitude, she showed her love for Jesus. And there's a man in the same story who thought he was doing pretty well. Um, he seems more concerned with his own reputation, uh, more concerned with honoring himself than with honoring Jesus. In Luke seven, forty-four through 47, uh, we'll read just a, a part of that story. Jesus uh, it says, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little." Don't misunderstand what Jesus says. The difference between them wasn't whether they needed forgiveness. It wasn't even the magnitude of the forgiveness that they needed. Because without grace, each would have been condemned in their sin. Uh, both the man and the woman, each needed God's grace to be saved. But only the woman was strongly aware of that fact. She was the one who was aware of her need for grace and thankful for it. Being aware of the grace that God has given us and the blessing that he's provided for us in that makes us grateful. That was the difference between the woman and the man. One understood clearly the grace that had been given them, and one didn't. Uh, but being aware of grace will make us grateful. It's probably the best and most powerful motivation for godliness. Other things may motivate us to do well for a while, to do right things for a while. We want to be respected. We want to have a good life. Uh, we, we want to follow what God said. There are other things that can motivate us for a while uh, to do well. But gratitude to God is what will help us to do right for the rest of our lives. Being thankful to God is what will make us love Him and want to do the things that will please Him. Grace uh, teaches us to be grateful. Grace also teaches us that there is hope for us. Uh, God still believes there's hope for us. And if God still has hope for us, well, uh, we should have hope for us too. We should live in hope. 
Through God's grace, he offers us this incredible future where we can anticipate the glory of Jesus' return for his people. But sometimes uh, we still mess up in the present. But God's grace is still there, waiting for us to turn and to be forgiven. Grace tells us not to give in, not to give up, that we can have hope beyond our present imperfection. In spite of what we've done, God thinks that we are worth giving grace to still. Second Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That verse is talking about the, the end of uh, the world. Why hasn't it come yet? And uh, Peter says it's because God is being patient. He's being long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is waiting because he believes that there are people who will change. There are people who will repent. There are people who he can extend grace to. Uh, and God is... Um, waiting because he wants people to change, and he knows that some will. Grace teaches us to say no to sin because he gives us another chance. If there were no grace, then as soon as we sin, we would be condemned and hopeless. So why, why bother trying to live any different then? No reason to try anymore, right, if you're condemned, hopeless. But God gives us a reason to try. Uh, he tells us that there is hope. Not only should we live uh, self-controlled, righteous, and godly lives, but we can live self-controlled, righteous, and godly lives. That is the hope that in which God saves us. He believes that we can make progress. Grace is a powerful teacher, if we're willing to learn from it. We've focused here mainly on God's grace shown to us in salvation. Uh, and God extending mercy to us, forgiving us our sins, and helping us live for him. But God's goodness toward us doesn't end there with forgiveness of sins. God continues showing his grace to us in so many other ways. Uh, he works on us through his word. He answers our prayers, gives us his spirit to help us and strengthen us. He blesses us with time to grow and to learn. Uh, God has been uh, so good to us in so many ways, and every aspect of God's goodness toward us, every show of grace, is a teacher. We need to develop hearts that will learn, hearts that will be open, and through the power of Jesus' sacrifice, uh, in short, by God's sanctifying grace, He will enable you to live a godly and righteous life. If you haven't received God's grace, or if you have separated yourself from God's grace, He's still giving you time. If you haven't learned to live for God, but are still living for yourself, God is still giving you time. He believes there's still hope for you. Realize that God is still extending his offer of grace uh, right now in this moment. You have the opportunity, if you would, uh, to greatly, gratefully receive it and begin living for God instead of for yourself. If the church here can help you in that. We want to. And so we're going to sing a song in a moment. And uh, if there's something that we can do to help you experience God's grace, we'd like to know about that. Uh, please make it known to someone uh, as soon as you can. And uh, we can talk about what you need to do uh, to receive God's grace. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men.
teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works.